You may be seated. Good morning, church family. So Pastor Luke is in Michigan at a men's retreat, and uh, I get the awesome opportunity to share with you the word of the Lord today, and I have actually dreaded it, <laughs> only because God has crushed me with it, and uh, contrite is the word that it actually means to crush, to find powder, to humble, and so I'm so thankful that I finally get to get here and share it with you, and I'm praying the Lord will use it to crush you. <laughs> and what's cool is uh, he does. He's awesome. When he steps in, when the Lord steps in with his power, my, we're never the same. And so uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, as you can see up there, verse 25. Uh, if you have a Bible, I ask that you get it out, open it up. If not, grab a pew Bible. Look, I got one. I got a pew Bible. And if you need a Bible, just take that one with you. See, when pastor's not here, we can give stuff away. <laughs> it's coming out of my check. Okay. <laughs> no, it is free. We will gladly get you a Bible. Everybody needs one. So Luke chapter 10, in the Pew Bible, it's page 1032. Luke 10, stand as we read God's Word, starting verse 25. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the men who fell among robbers? Verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it transforms hearts. It transforms lives. So, Father, we truly pray that you just pierce our heart for you, for your glory, for your good. And thank you that you are merciful and beautiful in our hearts, in your hands, 
be the safest place we could put them. We love you, and we thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as we begin, I'm sure I could ask you, and I'll have you respond, what are the two greatest commandments, and we read them, so now you kind of know what I'm asking, but what are the two greatest commands that are given in the Bible? Cool. To me, it just sounds like, I can't understand you. Uh, All right, so here, love the Lord your God with all your, love the Lord your God with all your, 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 I like it. This is soul, this is mine. Okay, you got it. All right, and your neighbor as, so we know it, right? Amen, let's go home. We know this. What are you doing? Here's the thing, and we're going to see this. This professional lawyer of the law of Moses wrestles with Jesus over this very thing. And Jesus says, go and do it. So just like us, we could all sit here and we could say, yep, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Yep, love your neighbor as yourself. Nailed it. Woo, let's go home. But here's the reality. How are you doing with that? Living that out. Oh, I heard guilty. Are you talking about me? Because you're right, I'm guilty. (laughs) This is fun because we'll banter. I'm glad you're up here. Uh, We're guilty. I failed. And so as we unpack this, this is what's crushing. This is what comes in as you have a chance to humble yourself or contrite. So let's go through it line by line. Chapter 10, verse 25. It starts off with this lawyer. And he's really, he's only there to test Jesus. And literally professional, right? He's a teacher. He's a scribe. He's an expert in the law of Moses. He knows it, he's got it memorized, and he's trying to trap Jesus. How many of you know that's a horrible idea? Yeah, only a few of you. Okay, yeah, he's going to wrestle with him, and Jesus is going to just cut him down at the knees. And so here's the question. He said to him in verse 26, what, or behold, the lawyer stood up to test him in verse 25, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, just pause right there. How many of you would love a family member to come up and ask you that question? A best friend, maybe. I mean, we would be delighted. You can just imagine. Hey, tell me what I got to do to inherit eternal life. Right? That's, That's joy. That's a great question. Hey, go talk to your pastor. No, you need to be prepared to answer that question, to give an account of the hope that you have. But that's an awesome question. And so what's really awesome is Jesus just right away engages him, this professional of the law. So you know, he's coming with both guns ablazing, like he's ready, he's power packed. What must I do to inherit it? And so I love the Lord just responds right away. He said to him, what is written in the law? What, are the, what does God's word say? And he's a professional in this, right? So right in his wheelhouse, he's like, yep, I got it. And he 
quotes to him the law. He quotes Deuteronomy 6, 5. In fact, the Jewish people prayed the Shema every morning and night. The hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Like this was their prayer when they woke up. So right away, this professor, this professional law person, he's got it down. It's in his mind. Jesus says, what is written? Let's go straight to the law. I don't want your opinion. What does God's word say? right? How many of you are like, yeah, that's right. We want to know what God's word says. So he quotes, and Jesus asked him, how do you read it? But what is written? And then verse 27, right away, this professional lawyer says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And this professional took Deuteronomy 6, 5, and Leviticus and put them together Leviticus 19, 17 and 18, I'll read it for you. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against, and I'm going to read this twice, against the sons of your people. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The Lord stamps it. That's Leviticus 19, verse 17 and 18. So he professionally takes these two scriptures, puts them together, and you know what's awesome? He gets a that away from Jesus, doesn't he? Jesus said, wait, good job. Right? That's a, that's a great response. That is perfect. In fact, Matthew and Mark Jesus is quoted as saying this, that you shall love the Lord because another one tried to test him. What's the greatest commandment? Love the, he said exactly what Jesus said in the other gospels. You got me? Okay, moving. All right, this is yes, this is no. Get, okay. He said to him, you have answered correctly, verse 28. Now here's something. He trips him. Do this and you'll live. How many did he give him? How many of the professional scriptures did he give back to Jesus? How many did Jesus tell him to do? Okay, see, so you can follow me. Yeah. Do you understand how you love your neighbor is directly united to how you love God? Jesus, there's no difference here. Do this. He gave him two. Jesus came back and said, hey, yep, do that one. Wait, no, I gave you two. Right? And Jesus, no, these are one. How you love people around you is directly related to how you love God in heaven. How are we doing with that? Pierces. I'm not perfect at this. You can ask my family. They'll tell you. But here's the reality. The expert in the law answered correctly. He got a that boy. He got a great ending. But Jesus sent him back to the law. Do you know Jesus quotes Leviticus right here? Do this and you'll live. It's Leviticus. He says 18.5. So Jesus quotes back scripture. 
You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. He stamps it. So he tells that guy again from Scripture, do it and live. Now, you and I are already wrestling with, oh man, this is the standard, right? How many of you have kept it absolutely perfect? No, not one, right? We've all fallen short. So this lawyer, this perfect Pharisee lawyer scribe has this moment where the word pierces in, the law comes in. According to Romans 3.20, the law is given so that we can view and know our transgressions, our sins. Right? So here he's given Jesus the law. Jesus gives him the law back. And we should see in there, everybody should have binoculars on, I fail. I don't do this perfect. But what does the professional do? He's got one more question. And this is the same thing that I do. Let's define what neighbor is. Right? Isn't that what he asked Jesus? Hey, verse 29, here's... Here's the trap we fall into. Everyone, warning, desiring to justify himself. He said, and who is my neighbor? The statement isn't too far off from me. (laughs) Society, the trap. Can we redefine what neighbor is? Especially if you live in the country. Yeah, I love them. They're like two miles down the road. I nailed it. (laughs) This was my mindset. A teacher shared a story with me of in school. There there was the standard of a word spelling test, right? You got to pass. So I'm third grade. I'm like, how many do I need to pass? She's like, well, out of 100, you got to get 65. Deal. At 66, I put my pencil down, I'm done. She's like, what do, you, what do you mean you're done? That's all I need. I'm not going any further. You gave me the standard, nailed it. Now, hopefully I didn't get any of those wrong, right? But here's what I'm telling you. This is my nature. God says, here's the standard. I'm like, how close can I get to that and still be okay? Am I the only one? Anybody want to raise their hand? No, it's okay. Don't raise your hand. He says, here's the standard. It's perfect. It's Jesus. And we all fall short of God's glory. There's none righteous. No, not one. And so when that comes in, when the law comes in and we're pierced by the law of this perfect standard, we have three options. All right? I'm going to give you the best one first. The first option we have is we admit it right away. Failure. I'm not perfect. I see in the law that there's a standard that I fall short, I fail, I don't get this right. And I admit and I confess. And 1 John 1.9 says that if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So when we are pierced, By it, we humble ourselves. We put ourselves under God's mighty hand. 
He exalts you if you lower yourself, right? You following me? Man, why don't I do that every time? Admit it. And you could see this lawyer, he didn't. He wanted to justify himself. The second thing we'll do in our nature is we'll run, if we don't admit it, we'll run and concentrate on the things we do well. Well, you know, I know I'm not perfect, and nobody is, but hey, I served in the kids' club and the youth, so halo for me. Right? Oh, I know I'm not perfect, and that's the standard, so I'm just going to... But hey, man, I, I went to church for the last 20 years. Right? I got... I got a different standard over here. I know I can't appeal to God for His. We concentrate on the things we do well, but it leaks pride in. And then we start to have scorn on people that aren't as perfect as us. Later on in Luke 18, it's one of my favorite parables. It's talking about the tax collector who's despised and Hold, like, people hold that tax collector in contempt. Worthless, meaningless person right here. Tax collector. And a Pharisee, a really religious guy that's just awesome, on fire for the Lord, goes to church, and it says that Jesus tells this parable to the religious people that are sitting around justifying themselves that they're righteous, and they hold everyone else in contempt. And the religious man is sitting there and he looks over at the sanctuary and he goes, Lord, oh, thank you. I'm not like that guy. He's worthless. I'm not like him because I fast twice a week. I give. I tithe. I, 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 and justify yourself, right? But the despised, worthless man is over in the corner of the temple and he just looks down. He doesn't even lift his head to heaven and he just beats his chest and he says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man goes home justified and clean and righteous before God. And that one went home detestable before God. Which one are you? You want to focus on the I do list? Before God, it's nothing unless we humble ourselves to his mercy. And this is the third thing. This is what the lawyer did here. Can we change the requirement? <laughs> this is the standard our whole society wants. If the standard's perfect, then really, who's my neighbor? Let's define that. How close in proximity can I get to one, right? How close is it? Let's redefine God's word. Let's talk about what is a woman, what is a man. Let's talk about what is sin, what is not sin. Let's talk about what does God's standard say because none of us are making it unless we have Jesus. And but Jesus. Here's those three things. When we start to redefine those three things, show us who we are in our heart. And that's when Jesus tells the story. The man's like, okay, redefine. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells him a story just so that he will actually confess who his neighbor is. 
So he goes down, and we read it. It says, a man is going to Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed him, leaving him half dead. So if you're half dead, you're looking dead, okay? And if I'm a religious person going to the temple or coming back, actually, he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's clean. So Levite priest, wonder why they pass on the other side? That dude looks dead. I'm not going to unclean myself. So they passed by, half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, passed by on the other side. Levite, other side. A Samaritan. And if you know anything about the Samaritan and the Jews, they're enemies. Racial enemies. Detestable to one another. Opposite enemy. But this Samaritan, an enemy stops and has mercy and compassion, giving all of his self, his oil, his, his wine, it says. Why wine? Because it's a painkiller. It's like an aspirin. Giving this guy a painkiller and putting him on his donkey, taking him to the end. Two days' wages he puts down. This person had compassion. And then he just asked him, which one's the neighbor? And even with detestableness in this man's heart, He won't even say Samaritan. He won't even name his enemy. He says, the one who showed mercy. Right? Because Jesus knows his heart, and you hate a guy that you can see that's a Samaritan. You hate him. And he won't even say his name. He's just like, that Samaritan, that one that showed mercy. He won't say Samaritan. Here's the kicker. Jesus says, go. Do likewise. So I want to define neighbor for you. Because here's the thing. For this story, it's you and I. We're the ones that are to be going. Remember the Great Commission, right? Go as you're journeying, while you're going, as it's a present. It's as ongoing. Go likewise. Show mercy. That Then we want to say, okay, well, who's my neighbor? And you know, it's anybody that's near you. Did you hear that? Near. As I'm going, as I'm walking along, and I come near to someone, that's my neighbor. So the question shouldn't just be, who is my neighbor? It's, who can I be neighborly to? If if I, I know Christ, so anybody that comes near me or in my path, I should be showing them Jesus Christ. And you know what? I fail. While I'm going, I could be a jerk. And the story this week is God is crushing me with this. I walked into a printing store to get posters and a banner for fall retreat. And the first thing I noticed, I don't notice a lot. I just talked to the person. But the first thing I noticed is this guy that was coming over to help me had eyeliner on. I'm like, huh. Cool. This is going to be cool, you know? And so then I pulled out my paper, and I'm like, I got a confirmation number. I don't, I don't know what you need to see for what I'm here to pick up, and I don't even know how many I have. There's probably like four, you know? My wife sent me, right? <laughs> Tell me what I need, buddy. 
And in my head, I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And then as I hand him the paper and he looks at the confirmation number, I'm like, oh, he's got the same colored nails as he does eyeliner. <laughs> he coordinated. And uh, in my brain, he walks away to go get the posters. And I'm thinking, oh, man, did I, did I say sir? Because I was raised to say yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I mean, that's ingrained in me. Like, I'd get in trouble, detention, if I didn't use those terms. So I'm like, oh, did I offend Like, did I say sir? I can't remember. And then my wife's voice is over here, don't be a jerk and call him sir. And she's not even at the store with me. I'm arguing in my head with my wife of how I'm going to treat this man in front of me. You can laugh, guys. It's safe. Okay, thanks, Jason. And he comes back. And I'm the Pharisee. He was detestable to me. And when I looked at his name badge, it said Kim. And I know he's no Kim. But I showed him the next confirmation number, and he went to go get the next one. God is wrestling this into me. He's your neighbor. How are you going to treat him? Oh, don't say sir. You know, I'm battling here, folks. Praying. And when he comes back, I just say, Kim, thank you for serving me today. Have a great day. And I can tell you there's one I won, but it was a wrestle. Who is my neighbor. It's the one I come near. And I can tell you that with almost tears in my eyes of saying, thank you, Kim. I don't know the pain this man has gone through to be who he is today. But in my heart, there's got to be something. And I don't know, but I can tell you what. Jesus died for him. And I don't say it because God won it in me. I say it because I'm telling you we can't redefine our neighbor. Turn with me to John, first, actually 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. In the Pew Bible, it's 12-12. John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. I, did I say first again? Okay, first John, in the back, the little guys. Page 1212, chapter 4, verse 20. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God also Love his brother, must, command. Here's the reality. We want to define neighbor, it's anyone near you. And right now I'm telling you, you have to love your brother. And right now in our brain, you can define it. Well, isn't that just people in the church? Isn't that just people I go to Bible study with? Isn't that my brother? Or is it really, I don't even have any brothers I got two sisters, so I nailed it, right? I don't have any brothers to love. 
Or is it my biological brother? How do you want to redefine it? Because this is what it means. Human being. How can you have any hate in your heart for any human being and say you love God? The Bible says you're a liar. You cannot have hate in your heart and love God at the same time. They do not mix. You have to put them together. How am I loving my brother is exactly showing how I love God. They're one and the same. Who's near me? Are you loving them? And I tell you what, I don't even, I don't want to do this because I know I fail, but here's the thing. We must define our brother, and you can put it this way. I was born, me, in sin. I was a child of the devil who was my father of this world. So everybody born in this world is my brother. I also became adopted into the family of God by him putting his Holy Spirit in me. So now I'm a brother to anybody with the Holy Spirit in them. Who's my brother? When God's word crushes in and says, how you doing? Go and do it. Lord, I fail. I need your help to see Jesus on each person's face, to know that even Kim is Jesus to me, to walk in and say, you're Jesus to me. How can I love you? How can I serve you? And it doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not Christian. We can say the same words just like we did. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus would look at his church and say, then go and do it. Love them. That's how you're going to show love for me. Love them. All right. The band can come up here. I'm not going to pick on you, but you're going to play. Pastor has been commissioning the church to go as you're journeying, as you're walking. And this is the same go that Jesus says, go likewise, love. So I want to challenge you for the commission today. We can fail. We can run to the Lord for mercy and say, I want to try again receiving your love so I can hand out your love. So the commission today is who wants to go and do likewise? You can stand. If you're saying, I want to go and love and do likewise of loving my brother, stand up. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we rise, it's not because we're perfect, but Lord, it's because we realize that you're going with us that your spirit is in us to empower anybody to go and to love. Help us each to not redefine how to love. And Lord, I know we're even wrestling with the cost of what this means, but Lord, the cost to do nothing and pass by is greater than the cost to have compassion. 
We could see it in the religious leaders. They did nothing, and that was too expensive. Help us as we go, as we're journeying, to see our neighbor and our brother as you and to serve you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it pierces in. Help us to humble ourselves under it. Help us to be contrite in our heart and lean on your mighty hand. We love you. We thank you for using us to show your love to a world that desperately wants to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's sing, Jesus paid it all.